This podcast is presented by All Copy Products, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at allcopyproducts.com. To the 15, to the 10, Murray's going to score, touchdown! Welcome to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. Connor to the 10, to the 5, and into the end zone for the touchdown! The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by Arizona Cardinals Podcast. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast. Here we go. One-handed catch and a touchdown. Oh, baby. How's that feel? Here's Craig Grealou, Paul Calvisi, and three-time pro bowler Kyle Vandenbosch. Week one is always full of surprises, gentlemen. And this year's collection of week one games, no exception, especially that final game, which we've learned this morning has cost Aaron Rodgers his season only four snaps into his Jets career. We, though, here are digesting the Cardinals' 20-16 loss at Washington. Paul was there. Kyle and I were not. So let's start with you, KVB. Your initial impressions, your first impressions. Jonathan Gannon, Drew Petzing, Nick Rollis. Not bad, despite the final outcome. Yeah, overall, I thought it looked pretty good. Um, I, I think in spite of um, a lot of the criticism, I, I think this offense had the right game plan going against this defense, particularly this defensive front. Um, you know, it looked a little bit dinky and dunky, but, um, you know, you've got to do things early in the game to try to uh, wear out that front, um, to try to take away their pass rush. I mean, all these guys want to do is get up the field and make plays and hit the quarterback, try to affect the game later. Um, and so I think they came out and did the right things. Um, I was extremely impressed with the defensive game plan, with the execution, and in particular the energy. Um, you know, the, the guys closing to the ball, guys flying around, um, big hits, um, enthusiasm, big plays, uh, pressure on the quarterback, sacks, all those things were, were um, not, a, not only a pleasant surprise, it was completely shocking to me the way this defense came out and executed. It looked like, I, I mean, honestly, and, um, you know, I, I think I've been doing this covering the team for four or five years, I don't think I've seen a defense play that hard with that much energy and uh, being that physical throughout the course of a ball game, and that will serve this team well. Um, And with Jonathan Gannon, um, look, this team, um, they looked well prepared. I think for the most part, the execution was there. Um, You know, they had some over-aggressive penalties, um, you know, perhaps taking it a little bit too far with the physicality, the aggression. Um, but, you know, as, as uh, somebody covering this team or even as somebody that, that coaches um, at, a, at a much lower level of football, I'd much rather see that from my players than begging them to pick up their intensity and their effort. And so all of these things are good, and I think that this team will build, and I think that they will learn from some of the mistakes they made this game and, um, and, and really pick things up going forward. And from your vantage point, Paul, and we'll touch more specifically on what I thought was the biggest surprise, the biggest takeaway week one for the Cardinals was the defense. But your view from field level, Paul, operationally, it looked very smooth, much like we saw in the preseason. I mean, for a quarterback who'd been around two-plus weeks, they weren't fighting the play clock. I think I told both you guys, I went back to a lot of the broadcasts from last season and trying to get ready for Paulie preseason and the booth and all that, and you... 
you forget how often the Cardinals are battling the play clock. So game operation, it matters. It's significant. And that was clean, to your guys' point. This looks like a well-coached team. I did like the approach on offense, trying to wear out that front four, that front seven, try to go sideline to sideline. So, yeah, it looked like a lot like last season at times as you're going horizontally, you're going laterally. But you had three takeaways as a defense. You had six sacks. How many games do you win in that scenario? I mean, most of the time. The analytics say you're going to win in a 90% clip. I didn't mind the Kaiser White personal foul. I think that did set a tone. And he's got beef with that team from his days in the same division. It was the three other personal fouls you could have done without. There's no question about that. But I think they sent a message. It's a well-prepared team. It's a team that's going to be physical. They may not win their share of games, but they're not going to get punked physically which you couldn't say all of last year. And that front seven, the, they're rotating guys in. And Dennis Gardeck said exactly what we said after the game. Not only are you competing against the other team, you're competing against the guys in your room, in your position group. Because guess what? I think there's this air of uncomfortability in that locker room. And if you don't perform, you're gone. Cardinals also won the turnover battle. They were plus one in that category. But again, the only really stat that matters at the end of the day is what's up on the scoreboard. And the Cardinals lost 20-16 to as we put the spotlights on the offense. Josh Dobbs getting his third career start, first with the Cardinals, and the offense sputtered. It did not look good, just 93 yards in the second half, 210 total yards in the game. The two biggest plays first quarter the Rondell Moore swing pass the Hollywood Brown end around that totaled 60 yards between those two plays the remaining 56 plays totaled 150 yards here's Dobbs after the game on what he saw or what he didn't see out of the offense you know you just got to do better situationally in the red zone you work so hard to get down there you got to get seven points and that's what game came down to and our two turnovers on offense you know uh, defense did a phenomenal job of Rallying to the ball all day, forcing turnovers, big defensive touchdown. So on offense, we got finished drives, we got to score touchdowns, and that starts with me. So especially with the turnovers, just executing um, better situationally. Turnover in the third quarter, turnover in the fourth quarter, both lost fumbles by Dobbs, as you heard him mention the red zone as well, Kyle. 0 for 2 in the red zone, settling for field goals rather than getting into the end zone. Yeah, well, there was a throw to Zach Ertz. A little high, but Ertz able to get both hands on the football. He mentioned postgame he should have come down with that. And if he does, then all of a sudden that's an extra four points, and now we've got a tie ball game, and we'll see what happens after that. Yeah, and, and at first glance, you look at the third down production, 4 of 14, that's not going to win you ball games. But um, Jonathan Gannon alluded to this both post game and then the day after in his presser that the issue was what was happening on first down. You, you mentioned the um, sack strip uh, turnover at the end of the third quarter. Uh, from that point forward, they only had two positive plays on first down. So they're getting behind the sticks against an aggressive defensive front. It's not a situation you want to get into. You don't want to be in second and long, and you certainly don't want to be in third and long. Um, so, you, you know, you, you this team, for whatever reason, the, the offense was not really – it didn't feel like they had a rhythm, um, that they were building one play off of another and able to execute and really keep Washington guessing. It felt like, um, it, you know, they were just kind of out of sorts. They were just kind of picking – uh, plays out of a playbook and running them and, and not getting not building toward something in the fourth quarter because really this offense for the most part was non-existent 
uh, past the end of the third quarter. So um, the biggest thing to me is, yeah, that that that's what has to be fixed, uh, particularly late in the game when when it counts, when this offense was needed to convert, get first downs, move the ball down the field, and get some points. They they really. Um, struggled on first down, and and there was multiple guys in the backfield hitting running backs and getting after quarterbacks throughout that fourth quarter. You referenced Jonathan Gannon. Let's hear from the head coach before we continue dissecting what went wrong for the Cardinals on offense. The negative yardage plays, you know, and that kind of set us back on some things. And you're playing the game in third and long all day. It's it's tough, you know. It's a that's a good defense, and they execute well, and they give you a lot of different things. Um, so I think to help ourselves out, we got to eliminate some of the negative yardage plays. Obviously, the two turnovers, you want to turn the ball over. Um, those were two critical plays. But all things that we can correct moving forward, and I think Josh will have a good week and we'll operate a little bit better. To Gannon's point, Paul, 14 negative plays. There were 58 total plays run. Cardinals lost 46 yards on those 14 plays. And then the third down, 14 third down opportunities six of those 14 cardinals were staring at third and 10 or more wow. and they failed on all six of those yeah that's a big goal this week you got to get into third and manageable much more often i think the ball will go downfield a lot more that's the product i think uh losing yardage and trying to go laterally along the line of scrimmage and trying to make the defense go sideline to sideline i get it uh, as Zach Ertz said after the game, quote, this should be the worst performance we have as an offense all season long. Might be the best defensive line they go against. Now, Dallas might have something to say about that based on what they just did to the Giants. And they're the only team right now with more sacks in the NFL than the Cardinals. They have seven. The Cardinals as a team have six. I thought Josh Dobbs was at his best late in the first half when they put him on the run, when they got him on the move. Remember, he's one of the all-time great SEC running quarterbacks in conference history he's up there with the luminaries all time when they got him on the run late in the second quarter and he made consecutive passes to Trey McBride both for double digit yardage he just looked comfortable those passes were right on the money and it was when he was standing in the pocket and at times as Jonathan Gannon said after the game holding onto the ball too long that contributed I think to a lot of the problems the Cardinals had and the O-line, I think, at times was put under duress just because the quarterback wasn't as decisive as he needed to be in getting rid of the ball as quickly as he might perhaps this week. Now that he's a little more comfortable in the system. And this week it was announced on Monday that, yeah, Dobbs will get the starts in Week 2. So go back to Sunday postgame. Dobbs asked where he thinks the biggest improvement will come this week. I think a huge jump is in store. You know, just getting – out there getting um, the flow of the game, right? Getting um, the flow with the guys, timing rhythm in the games, always different um, than practice sometimes. Uh, just getting there, you know, playing ball can definitely make a huge jump, and I expect to make a huge jump, especially situationally. And then the penalties, because that drive that you were referring to, Paul, the back-to-back chunk plays to McBride, well, there was a third and nine. DJ Humphreys gets called for holding, and then all of a sudden becomes third and 19. In the second half, there was momentum, and then once again, Trey McBride, a false start. And then there was the ineligible man downfield, Will Hernandez, that cost the Cardinals a 16-yard catch to Jeff Swain, which could have been the difference in maybe another field goal attempt, if not a touchdown. So eliminates half of the nine penalties, and sometimes it's not the number, but when those penalties are occurring. So the good news is those are all correctable, right? 
what happens now? Is that going to be a persistent theme through the rest of the season like it was a year ago when the Cardinals led the NFL in pre-snap penalties and were top three in penalties overall? Or are they going to correct those? Is that something? Because you didn't figure football IQ to be an issue with this team. In fact, I think they constructed this team with that in mind. So based on the operation being clean and now Josh Dobbs hopefully being that much more comfortable, you won't have some of these issues that you saw there. But it's an offense that obviously can't afford the self-inflicted errors. There's no way. They just don't have the talent right now, Kyle, to be able to overcome those self-inflicted mistakes. Yeah, it's a complete 180 from what most of us expected. We expected this offense was going to have to score a lot of points because the defense would take some time to develop and, and become a good defense. It looks like from this point forward, this offense needs to be a ball control offense. Obviously, you need to make some big plays, but you know this defense is capable of, of being a really good defense and holding offenses to uh, minimal scores throughout the course of a game, so this offense can't do things to beat itself. Speaking of the Cardinals' defense, Captain All-Pro Safety Buda Baker is the latest guest on the Day Patch podcast. It is episode 62, available right now via your preferred podcast provider. And as we continue here on the Cardinals' Red Sea Report, We will talk about that Cardinals defensive effort, a very strong effort week one. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Back to pass, Howell off play action, moving to his left, firing near side, it's tipped and picked off by Zayvon Collins. That is a huge play for the Cardinals. Takes the snap, straight drop. Looking, in trouble, hit and sack. Picked up by Gardeck and suplexed. <laughs> and they're doing a party. It's a little dance. The strobe of Dennis Gardak right there. Howell's going to pass. Straight drop. In trouble being chased by Gardak. And he fumbles the ball. And it's picked up at the two-yard line. And it's a touchdown. Picked up by Cam Thomas after the forced fumble by Gardak. Knock the pig out of the barn, baby. We got a pig rolling on the ground. Picked up. Touchdown! Three takeaways, six sacks, seven passes defense, one play allowed longer than 20 yards, holding the Commanders to just four of 12 on third down. Quite the first impression by this Cardinals defense under defensive coordinator Nick Rollis. As we say welcome back, it is the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats. Craig Ray, Lukov, Anabosh, and Paul Calvisi. Yes, the Cardinals did not win on Sunday. They lose 20-16, to but certainly a surprise and a pleasant surprise at that with the way the Cardinals' defense played. Before we discuss that, how about we get the head coach's impressions? Here's Jonathan Gannon. What I was really pleased about was the tackling. You know, as far as being in the right spots and things like that, I thought we were pretty good. We need to get better. Because uh, I thought we left some plays out there from an execution standpoint on defense. We got to get cleaned up in the back end and the front, all 11. But um, I liked how we flew around. Uh, I like how we attacked the ball. We took the ball away, which was good. We got off on third down when we need to. It was very good, Paul. You were there front and center. And by the way, for what it's worth, according to Pro Football Reference, the Cardinals only missed two tackles in that game on Sunday. It's funny, last week in the locker room, I was making small talk with Jalen Thompson, and I told him, I said, you know, every preseason, you know, one of my big takeaways is to remind myself how much we need to appreciate the open field tackling of Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson. Because when they're not out there, when you see Cardinals defense without those two guys, you realize – 
Open field tackling isn't nearly the given it is with those two Pro Bowl caliber safeties, right? So, and you saw it. And, and the whole D, Keytrell Clark, he tackled. And he was not a liability out there. In fact, we didn't call his name a whole bunch. And that's a really good thing because you didn't call Terry McLaurin's name very much. He did not wreck that game, as it turned out. Cardinals defense went out there. And, and look, not only did they get off the field, but they resulted in the, that sold-out stadium. It wasn't just raining precipitation. It was raining booze two or three different times. That's how dominant the Cardinals' defense was. That's how bad Sam Howell and that offense looked at different times during that game. Five different players recorded a sack. Dennis Gardeck had two, but Kyle, it was three sacks by the outside linebackers, three sacks by the defensive line, and that was the big question going into this season. Where is the pass rush going to come from? Well, for week one, that question has been answered. And that's huge. That's a huge development for this team. I mean, it, we were all talking about how is this team going to man, manufacture pressure. And when you are a team that needs to manufacture pressure because you can't get it with your guys up front, um, you're putting your guys in the back in, in a bind. Um, and that wasn't the problem this game. I mean, I, the guys up front, um, to me, I mean, I kind of expected one or two of these outside rushers because I know they've got ability. I know they've got talent. Um, to be able to get back there and get pressure, um, I didn't necessarily expect it from the interior. And there were some quick wins. There were some violent pass rushes. There was, um, it, you know, this defense, and, and Jonathan again referenced this, um, it, they did a tremendous job of tackling and closing on defenders. I mean, um, every, nearly every single game, you look at the stat sheet, and your leading tackler is Buda Baker, which says a lot about Buda Baker, but it also says – if he's not making those tackles, we're giving up huge plays because when your safety is your leading tackler, you, you've got a few issues on your defense. And and I just hearken back to the in-season hard knocks last year when, when Billy Davis said, you know, if we had 11 Buda Bakers, just think how good our defense could be. It almost looked like that. The way it's not just that they're tackling well, they're tackling with intent and they have the type of violence that Jonathan Gannon is talking about. And that um, will not just serve t- this team well you know, in a Washington game against the Commanders, like teams got to account for that. They got to account for this defensive speed. They got to account for how intense this defense plays and and how hard they hit. And you will see quarterbacks fall down. You will see running backs decide to step out of bounds. You'll see receivers get alligator arms because of the things that they've seen on tape. And and I love it. You know, just um, just as a football fan, what I'm looking for with this team is a team that I can be proud of and proud of the type of effort and intensity they play with. And I was extremely proud of this defense and the way they played and the attitude they played with and the message that they sent, again, not just to the commanders, but to the rest of the league, that they are going to bring it every single week. And that's the one thing you can control. That's under your control, the energy, effort, intensity. And it's a great point by Kyle. How many times last season do you say there's Buda Baker and everyone else, 10 other guys? Now those guys at least have elevated their intensity to the level of Buda Baker. Maybe not realistic that they're going to be all pro, Pro Bowl caliber players, but if you can at least fly around like Buda Baker, guess what? You're giving yourself a chance. You look at the top three, top, top three tacklers. Kaiser White, Kayvon Wallace, Michael Wilson, or excuse me, Marco Wilson, and Jonathan Ledbetter. You have to scroll down a little ways. Buda Baker only had five tackles. And I don't know, I'd have to go back and do some research here, Paul. I don't know the last time Buda Baker finished with fewer than eight tackles in a game, let alone five. He was, I wouldn't say non-existent, but to our point here on this conversation, there are enough players surrounding Buda that maybe he doesn't feel he has to do all of the work. 
And think about it. Other than Buddha and Kaiser White, Jalen Thompson, who left for one snap, and then the corners, all the other players in that defense were coming in in waves and rotations. So it's even more impressive they had that sort of production. They ended up in this stat sheet because, you know, the D-line, there's many guys going through. The outside linebackers, even more guys. And so there's fresh legs. They're competing against each other. And, and Kyle knows this a lot better than I do. I firmly think that they were giving those offensive tackles and those old linemen different looks because there's different guys at different times with different body types, and, and, and they're just changing things up. It's like bringing a different pitcher in, a lefty to a righty, and a you know a sinker ball guy versus a hard thrower, and all of a sudden it's hard to get a beat on if you're one of those offensive linemen. Dennis Gardeck, as I mentioned, had two sacks. It was certainly impressive to watch him, especially on the spin move that forced the ball out that Cameron Thomas was able to scoop up and score for the only touchdown in the game. Jonathan Gannon on what he has seen out of Gardeck not only on Sunday, but since Gannon arrived. Ultimate pro, one of our captains, you know, does a lot for us. We put a lot on his plate, and uh, he's a playmaker for us. He always has a good attitude. He's a team first guy all the time, very knowledgeable, and I value his opinion about certain things. You know, I talk to him a lot, and I'm glad we have him. Two sacks on Sunday. Gardeck had one sack over the past two seasons combined, so perhaps getting back to that 2020 performance in which he had seven sacks over 94 snaps. It surprised a lot of people, but that entire outside linebacker group, whether it was Victor Dumukeji, Zaven Collins, who we saw drop into coverage on the interception. But to your point, Paul, and I'd like to get Kyle's thoughts on this, when you have five deep, six deep at that position, because I'm including Jesse Lucetta as well, who played 18 snaps on defense, Everyone had a hand in that game. Luketa maybe more on offense than he did on defense. But that constant rotation of edge rushers that sometimes can be a negative because you don't have a guy, but in the case on Sunday was a positive because you had a number of different guys that were getting into the backfield. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. Um, I would much rather have three or four guys that are good pass rushers that bring it every single play than, than one guy who's a 15-sack guy. I mean, when they never know where the pressure's going to come from, they don't know who's going to get beat on the offensive line. Um, that's a problem for, for offenses. And, um, you know, when you are bringing fresh bodies in and everybody is capable, like you said, um, it's not just a matter of everybody got in and got playing time. Everybody showed up on the stat sheet. There was It seemed like um, every time a play was made on defense, it came from a different defensive player. And, you know, that's what makes a good defense. It's not, you know, a good player at every level um, or a great player at every level. It's good players on the field. And, and we talked about this off the air before the show started, Craig. Like, after this game, after an entire game, I didn't see any breakdowns. I didn't see any mental errors. I didn't see wide receivers running wide open. Um, I don't see a liability on this defense. I don't see – um, the Giants sitting in their meeting rooms right now saying, hey, this player is not good. We need to take advantage of him. This player won't show up or won't come up and make a tackle or be a physical player. Uh, we need to run at him. Um, you know, it, it seems like this defense is solid all the way through at every position, uh, playing their techniques, playing well, playing with an attitude. And um, again, it's, it's, it's so good to see because I, um, you know, sometimes you try to hide your weaknesses on defense and I just don't see one at this point. Paul, you brought it up earlier in the show, the competition amongst position groups. Here's Dennis Gardek on just that topic. It's a group that that has a chip on their shoulder and wants to prove something. Scrappy kind of comes to mind, but we're just, just tenacious, I think is a better word. 
every, everybody wants something out there. And Gardick added when he addressed the media on Monday that they're all rooting for each other. It's not like, oh, well, you're getting yours and now I need to get mine. It's like, no, they're cheering on one another. And it's that, okay, well, Gardick just got two sacks. Okay, now you're Victor Dumukeji. is like, okay, I got one, but I also had a forced fumble as well that they're competing amongst themselves in a good way for the betterment of the team. You know, we had LJ Collier, defensive lineman on the Big Red Rage last week. I just found his quote. He said, and this is before the game, obviously, quote, I feel like we're going to show the world we're more than what they say we are. There was definitely a chip on the shoulder pad of the defense. They've heard all the noise. They've heard all the disrespect. Now, does that matter ultimately when the game starts? Sometimes. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it can motivate guys. Uh, and, you know, this isn't college. You can't be much better than maybe what you are. But I do think that a lot of these guys have been underrated. And as a unit, especially with Kaiser White running things, they just were sound. They were getting in and out of the checks. They were adjusting. There was a lot of stuff. I guess my understanding is there was a lot of stuff they did not show. And if you think about that offensive system Eric Bieniemy brings from Kansas City, Mike Kafka, the offensive coordinator for the Giants, comes from a similar system. So I think it's going to be a pretty seamless transition from week one to week two defensively to game plan for a Giants offense that has a lot in common with what they just saw that Bieniemy just brought. I think that's going to play to their advantage. Here's what else is going to play to their advantage. Two of the Giants' top three offensive tackles are likely going to miss this game. Andrew Thomas did not finish that game, their left tackle, with a hamstring injury. The backup came in, suffered an elbow injury. So they could really be undermanned at those two tackle positions, the Giants. That's advantage Cardinals. Cardinals looked great on defense, and we talk about the rotation of players. Only a handful played every single snap. Buda Baker, Keetrell Clark, Kaiser White, and Marco Wilson. Other than that, it was a solid rotation to keep bodies fresh, especially in the front four, and I think that's paramount. Not only does it keep guys engaged on the sideline, Kyle, if they're not playing, but, yeah, you want to be able to get fresh and get home, especially in the second half. Yeah, it's, it, it sounds like Philadelphia's defense last year, right? Just, I mean, you, you've got a, a rotation. You're bringing new guys in. You're bringing fresh guys in. And to Paulie's point, um, you know, having conversations with the offensive tackles and what they struggle with, it's not necessarily preparing for the starter. Like, offensive tackles do a good job of studying. They figure out what your best moves are, how they're going to block you, how they're going to approach um, their third down pass protection. It, it's when that backup comes in, and he's a, a completely different pass rusher, and he has a different set of tools. And, you know, when you're having to prepare for two, three, four different pass rushers and trying to stop their best moves, um, it, you know, it's it's extremely difficult for these offensive tackles. So um, it's it, – I'm just – again – I'm so impressed with you know the constant pressure they got on the quarterback, but you know on top of that, um, a lot of it is is how good of a job we did on the back end. You know a lot of the conversation going into this game and a lot of the fear was how deep they were and the talent they had at the wide receiver position. You know when their leading receiver has five catches and it's not Terry McLaurin and he only has two catches. One of you know in my opinion one of the top five receivers in the NFL, a guy that regardless of which guy he uh, which player he had at quarterback over the last few years was always productive. Seemed like every time he looked in the box score he had you know eight nine catches for a hundred plus yards and to hold him to just two catches and thirty one yards. I mean I really again at every level they did a tremendous job of going out there and executing and stopping the run as well. 3.3 yards per carry is what that defense allowed. Overall, just 248 yards of offense allowed. And it comes in a loss, though. 20-16 to 16. Cardinals now 
put their sights and attention on the New York Giants, which comes up on Sunday. 105 is the kickoff. Pre-game coverage begins at 6.30 a... Excuse me, no. 8.30 a.m. As I quickly do some math here, because, yeah, six, that was a week ago. Oh, Paul Calvisi hits the airways at 5.30 yeah. in the morning. You're still thrown by the 40 to nothing <laughs> final score the that's Giants true. lost in week one. Ouch. I'm not sure if that's a good or a bad thing for the Cardinals coming up this week. We'll get into that as we continue. We have hit halftime here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Your ticket to great seats here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Good physical start for the Cardinals. That is a mentality, and I love it. The Cardinals' physicality has triggered some big plays. Cardinals again after the play, pushing and shoving. A message has been sent, though. What is that message, David? That message is, uh, we will fight you. Froholt was in there throwing hands. You like that, Wolf? Yeah, you got that right. That's all I get, Wolf? Yes. Throw Holt, throwing hands. Give me a little love on that. Love that. Nice. Caught at the 45 and drilled again. Dennis Gardek with the hit. Sometimes you're the meat stick, and sometimes you're the carnivore, and I think Dennis Gardek is picking Terry McLaurin out of his teeth. <laughs> a lot of physicality seen on Sunday in Washington. Cardinals lose the game 20-16, to but to Dave Pash and Ron Wolfley's credit on the play-by-play, perhaps a message sent not only to the commanders, but the rest of the league, and maybe even to the players themselves that, hey, we are not going to be pushed around on the football field when the game is underway. As we say welcome back, it is the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats. Craig Riolu, Paul Calvisi, and Kyle Vandenbosch since well, Paul, since Kyle played the game, maybe we need to let him lead the discussion here on the physicality of football. There was maybe a little bit of an extra physicality at times, a couple of personal foul penalties, but the Kaiser White play is what I know a lot of people are pointing to. One, you got to be smarter. Yet at the same time, something that Paul and I discussed earlier in the week, maybe, maybe if it happens just once, to let everyone know, as long as it doesn't happen ever again, I'm okay. I agree. Look, um, well, first of all, I appreciate letting me speak about it because Paulie's been a meat stick his whole life. Hey, we'll talk Leland High School football <laughs> after the show. Breakout session. Uh, no, I, hey, I love that hit. I mean, I was watching it at home, and I stood up off the couch, and, and it, it got me fired up. I mean, it, it, uh, you do have to be smart. And, and look, this they're trying to legislate some of those hits out of the game, um, but I want a team that is on the edge, I, particularly on defense. Um, and, and Wolf talks about this all the time. Like, you, as a coach, you want to have to tell your players, whoa, and not go. And, you know, there was a, so, some of the most uh, physical football on the defensive side of the ball that I have seen since I've been covering the Cardinals. And, um, and it not only – Look, the penalty sucks, but nobody's hanging their heads after a hit like that and you get a penalty. Some penalties are deflating. That one inspired and charged up the entire team. I mean, there's certain things you can do throughout the course of a game that really get your team fired up. It's big plays, it's sacks, but big hits, big violent hits, ones that, um, I mean, he ended up hitting him so hard he hit the referee that was standing five yards behind him. I mean, it was, um, you know, you'd love to see that in between the white lines. Um, but at the same time, like, you know, there is certain players on defense in particular that, you know, are bell cows, that 
they raise the level of play of every single player around them. And Kaiser White is that type of player. And that type of hit raised the level of intensity, not just of the defense, but of the entire team. You know, for the guys that were wondering what, you know, a lot of young players on this team, a lot of new players on this team, they're wondering what the NFL is like. They're wondering what this defense is going to be like. And to your point, that play, even though it was, you know, outside of the rules and it was a little bit questionable whether he should have made that hit, um, I think it charged the entire team and sent the message, we are here, we do feel disrespected, but we're going to show people what we're all about. I saw on the sideline why Kaiser White was named a captain. He was working the sideline. He's in the faces of all the players, good and bad, positive and negative. He reminded me of a Carlos Danzi back in the day, a Larry Foote, a Jordan Hicks. He's that Mike linebacker. There's no doubt about it. As for the hit itself, look, the reality is you hit the quarterback too hard, they're going to find a way to flag you up. I think there was some of that. I also think, is my own theory, that there was a little bit of the whole Cliff Kingsbury effect when his first game in the NFL 2019 when the whole clap thing and they kept flagging up the clap. How many times did Jonathan Gannon say, we're going to play a violent brand of defense? And then, of course, the Twitter clip, right, went viral. I want killers. So I think a little bit maybe the officiating crew had a bit of an agenda. Okay, coach, you're brand new to the league. This is how it works in the NFL. We're going to call things accordingly, and uh, we're going to have zero tolerance for some of this, perhaps send a message like they did to Cliff Kingsbury when he brought the whole cadence thing from the college game. It was that same drive in which not only was White penalized, but Jalen Thompson penalized as well, and it was the same penalty, lowering the head to make forcible contact. They're trying to take that out of the game. There's a way to make a physical and intense, a violent hit, but within the rules, and that was not happening at least initially in that ball game, and to Jonathan Gannon's credit, he did take accountability because he has been preaching that violence, that aggressiveness, but he also wants his players to be smart. But to your point, as far as the mentality within that locker room, Dennis Gardeck talked about that on Monday. We got dogs in our room. I'll say that. We got dogs in our room. Nobody's worried about anything dropping off with X, Y, or Z in the game. It's no, we're... We're all hunting, we're all in this together, and uh, we're all confident with whoever is out there. That goes back to something that I think we had a conversation a year ago, Kyle, about defensively we were good with the starting 11. It was a question mark, okay, what is the drop-off when someone has to come off the field either for a rest or they are hurts and are missing extensive time. There was going to be that massive drop-off between the first team and the second team. Well, we saw on Sunday that at least among defensive linemen and outside linebackers, there is no drop-off because you're rolling out five different, six different players at each of those positions. Yeah, and, and look, there's equal parts of credit for that. I think Monty Asifort has brought the right players into this organization, the ones that buy into the culture, the ones that are, are listening and taking in what Jonathan Gannon and Nick Rollis are telling them. Um, you know, I, I think this coaching staff has done a tremendous job. You can't play fast. You can't play violent unless you know what to do. Or, you know, we, we've had players in this organization that play fast, play violent, but don't always know what to do. And it's been a liability for this defense. So once you know you have the defense buttoned up, starters, backups, whoever, rotational guys, um, you didn't. You didn't notice it. You know, you didn't. I, I don't see this coaching staff saying, hey, we just got to survive these three plays while we give our good players a rest. It is, I expect 
a player A or player B, if they're on the field, to go out and execute the same, to go out and play with the same type of, type of intensity, to go out and play with the same type of leadership out on that football field. And, um, you know, to me, uh, the, the biggest thing with this game, particularly with the defense, is it is a direct sign that we have the right culture. We have the right buy-in. Players are listening to and believing and trusting this coaching staff and then going out and doing the things that they ask them to do. You know, the head coach gave Rob Rodriguez, the outside linebackers coach, a shout-out at the end of his Monday press conference just for the upward arc of the outside linebackers, how much improvement they've seen from OTAs, through minicamp, through training camp and the preseason games to what they just put on display week one. Victor Mukeji looks like a different pass rusher. He actually has an array of moves right now. Dennis Gardeck has talked more than once about how no longer he's a guy off the edge who just brings furious athleticism and sort of figures it out on the fly. No, he's got a plan. He's got counter moves. I think Zayvon Collins right now is desperately trying to develop that second move. And, and so these are guys who are learning and they're improving and you're seeing it and and I'm curious to see how this continues to evolve obviously Washington's not known for its offensive line Giants are going to be banged up but when you go against especially like a Trent Williams in week four right what's that going to look like if they can actually get something off the best left tackle the best lineman in the game now you're talking well just go back to that play in which Gardeck forced the ball out that Cameron Thomas picked up that was a spin move to the inside that I don't think a year ago, two years ago, we even see that from no. Dennis Gardeck. So that's something that he's learned either by watching those that do it and then also by the assistant coach, outside linebackers coach, Rob Rodriguez. But you look at the number of outside linebackers that did see the field. Zayvon Collins, 42 snaps. And then Dennis Gardeck, Cameron Thomas, and Victor DiMuchegi all were on the field for at least 25 snaps apiece. Jesse Lucetta, 18. B.J. Ojolari, 12. A nice rotation amongst those outside linebackers. Here's Jonathan Gannon. You want those big guys fresh, and you want to rotate them. If they have a jersey on game day, they have to serve a role and a purpose. And a lot of those guys, too, played on teams, a lot of snaps. Anyone that's up on game day, especially that front, they'll have a role and they'll play. So I thought they all did a pretty good job. You look at the defensive linemen as well. Jonathan Ledbetter was the one who was on the field the most, 41 snaps. LJ Collier, 37. Carlos Watkins, 33. Kevin Strong, 31. I mean, everyone that, to Jonathan Gannon's point, Paul, everyone who's in a uniform Expect to play. You're not just there waiting for someone to get hurt in order for your number to be called. I thought it was a great comparison Kyle made to the Eagles. Now, do the Cardinals have the Eagles personnel? Nobody really does. At least last year in the front seven, nobody did. They had 70 sacks. It was the most in like 30 years in the NFL, and another team wasn't even within 15 sacks. That's how far ahead of the game the Eagles were. They didn't need to blitz, but the philosophy is there. Rotating different guys, keeping them fresh, fresh legs, bringing different looks against those offensive linemen. And that uh, I fully expect to continue all season long. And it keeps guys interested, as I mentioned, engaged to where you're not bored. You're forced to pay attention because at some point the coach is going to turn and say, get in there. Oh, absolutely. And it's not just the rotation, as we talked about earlier. It's the production with the rotation. There's 23 defensive players with tackles. I mean, that's got to be every defensive player that had a jersey on. So, you know, they're sending these players out there not just to fill a role so the starters can get a break. Everybody's going out there and they're getting production. You know what we did not hear? The two words, the dreaded words, gap integrity. 
How many times have we heard those two words over the last few years and you did not hear that? Right there, that's a win within the game. I'm sure that will be stressed mightily this week with Saquon Barkley coming to town as we take a look at the New York Giants on Sunday, the home opener for the Cardinals. We'll discuss that as we continue here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Across the 50, down the far sideline, 40, to the 30, to the 20, to the 10. Touchdown, Dallas. A special teams touchdown. Jones in the gun, takes the snap, back to pass. Rush coming again, throws short left, caught by Barkley. Hit ball, pops up, taken out of the air by the Cowboys, and it's going back for a touchdown. Pitch to Pollard, racing right, looking for a seam. Cuts back, finds the end zone. Touchdown, Cowboys. Handoff, Pollard running right side, walks into the end zone. Touchdown, Cowboys. Here's a toss to Turpin, running left, outside the numbers. Cuts up across the five. Turpin diving to the end zone, and he's in for the touchdown. I think all that happened in the first half. Okay, maybe not. Ryan Radke on Westwood One. Yeah, the Giants shut out at home. Embarrassed on national television. 40 to nothing. It was 26 nothing at halftime. And yeah, now the 0-1 Giants come to State Farm Stadium on Sunday. Cardinals home opener 105 is the kickoff. 8.30 pregame coverage begins on the Arizona Cardinals radio network. And yeah, it was not pretty on Sunday. You blink and you missed everything. The most lopsided opening loss in Giants history. The worst regular season loss since 1973. By the way, they've been getting dominated by Dallas. That's five straight and 12 of the last 13 they've lost to Dallas. And in the last three meetings, the Cowboys have registered 15 sacks and the Giants zero. They haven't brought Dak Prescott down once. Oh, uh, yeah, not good. Not good on, on multiple levels. And um, you know what? Because it can always get worse, it does for the Giants. You realize they have to go on the road. They come to play the Cardinals. Then they have to go to the 49ers on Thursday night. They have two games in five days, both on the road. Staying on the West Coast between games. By the way, that was also the first time the Giants have been shut out since 2018. As a player, Kyle, when you are getting ready for an opponent off a game like that, is it good? Is it bad? Does it even matter whether a team comes in riding a hot streak or getting embarrassed like the Giants did? I hate playing a team after a, a an embarrassing loss, like you said. Um, you know, they want to rectify what happened. Um, they have to feel like that was not representative of who they are. I mean, they were terrible in all three phases, giving up big plays in all three phases. The Their highest paid players, I mean, when you have a team and, and the way the salary cap is, your highest paid players need to show up and they need to play like elite superstars. And Daniel Jones did not. Saquon Barkley did not. Um, you know, they just did not show up. And um, you know, typically when that happens, I mean, trust me, I've been on the bad side of lopsided losses and, um, you, you know, the, the coaching staff doesn't even watch the film. They just say that wasn't us. We're going to get back to work and we're going to move forward. So, um, you know, this is, this is a playoff team last year. So, um, to me, that's what I expect. I expect, um, uh, a bit more of the team we saw last year and not the team we saw, uh, this past week. So, you know, the team, uh, the Cardinals will still have a challenge. Um, you know, anytime you have a running back like Saquon Barkley on the other side, it's going to be tough. But again, just going back to what the Cardinals did last week, 
Um, you know, we talked about their pass rush. We talked about their coverage. They were good against the run. You know, I just kind of zoom out sometimes and just focus on the line of scrimmage. They were knocking them back, and they were holding their own on the line of scrimmage. So, um, you know, even though you have a dangerous back like Saquon Barkley, I expect this defense to hold up really well against them. Saquon, last week or on Sunday night, 51 rushing yards on 12 carries, three catches for 12 yards. Here's Jonathan Gannon, an early look on the Giants. They're a playoff caliber football team. I know it didn't go their way, but um, they got good players and three really good schemes, in my opinion. Offense, defense, and teams, they, they do a lot of things that make it hard on the other side. Uh, so we're going to have to be on it. But it's a good football team coming here. Brian Dable is a really good coach. He's got three good coordinators. You know, just having played them a couple times, being in that division, it's it's going to be a it's going to be a good fight. A playoff team a year ago, they won their first round wild card game. They went nine seven and one in Dayball's first season as head coach. So yeah, very capable. And you hope that week one is just one of those games that you look at and say, yeah, that's not a reflection of who we are. And kudos to Brian Dable. I mean, they they were a four win team the year before. They were dealing with more than fifty million dollars in dead cap money last year. They made the playoffs for the first time since. 2016 they won a playoff game on the road Daniel Jones ran it 17 times in that game was remarkable but those who cover the team speculate that maybe something's wrong in the locker room because they gave Danny Dimes big dollars four years 160 million 40 million per year for a guy who had 15 touchdown passes last year they didn't want to pay Saquon Barkley they eventually came to terms on that one-year deal but Saquon Barkley had over 1600 all-purpose yards last year he was the heart and soul of that team so some wonder, is everything okay in that locker room? Because there's nobody more respected than Saquon Barkley. Daniel Jones sacked seven times on Sunday night. And of course, a little bit of a reunion. Two different reunions coming up on Sunday. One, Aziz Ojolari, Giants linebacker, older brother of B.J. Ojolari, Cardinals rookie. And then I know you're looking really forward to this one, Paul. I expect a handshake at midfield. Isaiah Simmons is coming back into town. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Okay, we'll see. Is he is he playing off the edge? Is he going to be the Swiss Army knife? Where exactly is he going to be? Will he be? He had one tackle last week in that game. Will he be covering the tight end? Because if he is, Zach Ertz, Trey McBride could be well good for the Cardinals. Again, that is 105 on Sunday, and then we'll talk about it in one week's time here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. You've been listening to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. 15-10-5, touchdown, Zach Ertz. Buda Baker with the sack, stripped the ball. Murray's going to score, touchdown. Oh, baby. The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by the Arizona Cardinals mobile app. Visit azcardinals.com slash app. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club. Oh.